Well, hello and welcome. My name is uh, Brent and I am the Emmanuel Franklin Campus Pastor. I'm excited to be with you. And uh, first thing I got to do, I got to get a shout out to our Franklin Campus. Can we welcome our Franklin Campus this morning? <laughs> Woo! Love you guys. Great to be with you. And I also want to welcome everyone at the Banta and uh, campus and online campus. Can we give them a hand too? So thankful that you guys are here and watching and joining us. And then everyone at the Greenwood campus, welcome. So glad you guys are here. Can we give a hand for the Greenwood campus? Woo! Absolutely. Absolutely. want to welcome all of you. Hope you all had a Merry Christmas and uh, you were able to spend some quality time with family and maybe some friends and just making some really good memories uh, this Christmas season. And we have been in a series, actually our Christmas series is called God With Us. And we've taken part of, uh, out of the Christmas story in Matthew chapter one that says this, it says, look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, say this with me, God is with us. Yeah, that's the whole reason we celebrate Christmas is because God made it possible for us to be with him. And so we've been talking about that the last four weeks of how God is with us in the valley and in the wilderness and in our fight and in sin. And so if you've not had a chance to listen to that, I encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org and to, uh, to check those out. Today I have the privilege of closing up this series and talking to you about God with us on the mountain. We're gonna jump right in and talk about how God is with us on the mountain. The mountain is the top. The mountain is when life is good and things are going well in life. And we just celebrated Christmas and Christmas can be a mountaintop experience because of all of the good gifts that we receive. Some of them maybe you knew you were gonna receive. Others may have been a complete surprise, which is part of the excitement, I think. It's part of why kids get excited on Christmas morning, right? And they like wake up early and they're like, come on, come on, come on, let's go open presents because they can't wait to see all the good gifts that they're about to receive. I remember one of the best gifts that I ever received when I was younger was a four-wheeler. And uh, it was, I would think I was in about seventh grade or so, and my parents took my two brothers and I over to my grandparents' house, and we pulled up in their driveway, and sure enough, in their yard was this blue, which is my favorite color, by the way, and it was, it was shiny because it was brand new four-wheel ATV. And it was at my grandparents' house because they owned some farmland, so there was a lot of property to ride it on. And I remember when I first saw it, like my face lit, lit up and I was like, are you serious? Like this was awesome to me. And because I'm the oldest sibling, like I got to drive it first. I'm pretty sure that's how that went down. And so, you know, I hop on the four-wheeler and I take off into the great wide open and it's just me and the four-wheeler. And I have no worries at all in the world. And it was awesome. And, you know, as time passed by and I was riding, I had this thought that crossed into my mind. I was like, man, I don't really even need to go back for dinner tonight. There's plenty of wild blackberries out there I can eat. I'll be fine. So I kept on going. Uh, some more time passed by. I had another thought that, you know, passed through my head. And I thought, like, I don't even really need to go back and sleep in my own bed tonight. The cushion on this four-wheeler is pretty soft. I can lay on it, you know, out in the woods underneath the stars and I will be good. Because here's really the deal, like I didn't want to share it with my two brothers, honestly. Like I don't want to go back and do that. Sorry guys if you're watching. Uh, but I just love the four-wheeler so much and I wanted it all to myself. In fact, I got so consumed with a four-wheeler that I even forgot where it came from. You know, that my parents actually paid some good money to buy it for us because I was on the mountain and life was good. And we've all been there, haven't we? I mean, I may have been 12 or 13 years old at the time, 
but we've all had the mountaintop experience where life is good and things are going well and you know, maybe we forget about God or where our gifts come from or even other things in life. Maybe for you, you got a raise or promotion at work or maybe a year-end bonus and so you're sick and tired of this Indiana weather. It's going from 50 degrees to 20 degrees. You're like, just make up your mind, right? And so you're taking vacation down south because you are out of here and so forget about church for the next few weekends. I'm just gonna enjoy my bonus, right? Or maybe you're here and you know, you're in a relationship with a boyfriend, a girlfriend, and you're starting to fall in love and maybe head over heels in love with them, right? That you forget about God and everyone else because you just want to spend time with them. Or for those of us that are parents, if you remember back when your kids were born, you did the whole Lion King thing, right? Where you held them up and you're like, ah, Savannah, right? Yes, some of you did that. Or if you didn't, you thought about it anyways, didn't you? Right, because it was so awesome and it was a mountaintop experience and maybe you forgot about everything else in life that was going on. And so again, if we're honest, we can, we can all say this, can't we? That we get so caught up on the mountain and the good things in life that we can tend to forget about God, yeah, absolutely. And you know what's interesting is it actually, we're not alone. It happened to the Israelites. Uh, if you read in scripture, uh, we've been talking about the last few weeks a little bit about how you know, God led the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt. And then after that, they actually had to go through uh, 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And in Deuteronomy chapter eight, we kind of start to see how they're starting to come out of the wilderness. And they're starting to receive good things as they're beginning to enter into the promised land. And Moses was their leader and being the great leader that he was, he was being very observant to, you know, how they were before and kind of how they were presently at that time. And so he recognized this. He recognized that we forget about God on the mountain. That's what he saw in their lives. And he saw that, you know, as they were starting to receive these good things in life. And so he started to try and really think through like, how can I talk to them about this? How can I remind them that God wants to be with them even on the mountain? And so we pick it up here in verse seven of Deuteronomy chapter eight. It says this, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and hills. You have to understand, they just were coming out of 40 years in the wilderness. And so this was like the local community water park to them. They were excited. They couldn't wait to put on their swimsuits and go jump in. It was awesome. And if you read in the next few verses, Moses continues to talk to them about the good things that God is giving to them. And in verse 10, he says this. He says, when you have eaten your fill, or in other words, like as you're taking all of the good things in and you're filling up on them, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. So as you receive good things, make sure you praise God. And then in the very next verse, he says this. He says, but that is the time to, say this with me, be careful. Be careful. Beware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands. Why would Moses say this? I mean, he just got done talking about make sure you praise God for all the good things in your life. But then the very next verse he says, but be careful. Praise, but be careful. Praise, but be careful. Praise, but be careful. Why would Moses say this? Isn't it because he knows that we have a tendency to forget about God when life is going well and we're on the mountain. 
Absolutely. So why is that such a big deal? Like what happens when we forget about God on the mountain? Well, one of the things that can happen is good things can become idols. Good things can become idols. We've, you know, we've talked here before about how an idol is anything that we look to or count on for what only God can give in our lives, right? And we all have these desires. We talked about how we have this desire, you know, for significance and satisfaction and for happiness and for worth and security in our lives. That's all normal part of being human. But we were created for only God to satisfy or to fill those desires in our lives. And so when we have good things in our life and they start to consume us, they can actually start to replace God and become idols in our lives. And Moses knew this. And so he added to his warning to them in verse 19, he said this. He said, but I assure you of this. In other words, like this is a certain thing, it's gonna happen. It's not like, ah, maybe it will, maybe it won't. No, I assure you of this, if you ever forget the Lord your God and you follow other gods, worshiping and bowing down to them, you will certainly be destroyed. Your life will fall apart. Now I know there can be some people here and you see this and you think, well, I'm good because I'm not ever gonna bow down and worship another God. And I can understand where you're coming from. Like we don't really do this as much in our culture like they did back in Moses' culture when he was talking to them. But at the core of what an idol is, it's still true today that it takes the place of God. And so it still can happen in our lives today. Let me illustrate it to you like this. I don't know if any of you have ever eaten at O'Charlie's restaurant before, but uh, they have a dessert there that is better than, I'll let you fill in the blank. <laughs> and I'm pretty certain that it's better than anything that you fill that blank in with. And I know you're gonna say, well, Brent, that's your opinion and you're right, it is, and I'm gonna stick to it because it is awesome. I mean, it even has an awesome name. It's called Ooey Gooey Caramel Pie. And it's so good. And I even have a piece here for you to see how awesome it is. <laughs> Just in case you didn't know. See, doesn't that look awesome? It's so good. It really is. In fact, I'll be honest with you. When I first tried this at the, the restaurant, I thought to myself, like, this is what heaven is like. No joke. And I even thought like, man, if I could get this at every meal in heaven, that would be amazing because, you know, then I wouldn't have to worry about adding the calories or pounds to my life or even all the health issues that are going to come because all of the sugar that's in this, it would be amazing. And if you're watching online and you don't live near No Charlie's, it's not around you. I'm so sorry. You're missing out. You are because this is amazing. It's so delicious. And you know what? I could get so consumed with caramel pie that I could start to rearrange my whole life around it, that my schedule has to make sure that I go get some caramel pie when we're out or that I have some in the car with me as I'm driving along wherever I'm going or whatever gatherings we go to, right? I could rearrange my whole life around it because it's really, 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 really good. And you, and you all, you know, you all are laughing with me. Some of you are laughing at me, that's okay. <laughs> Because you know that caramel pie is temporary, right? Like it wasn't meant to satisfy me for more than a short period of time. 
Caramel pie is not made to fill my significance and my worth in life, right? And we can all shake our heads in agreement on that. But here's my question to you. What is it in your life that's really, 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 really good that may be becoming an idol? Because you see, we're not on the mountaintop forever. And if we start to replace God with good things in our life, what happens when those good things aren't quite so good anymore? Because here's the reality, things of this world are temporary, even if they're good, right? They're temporary, even if they're good. So no matter what the good things are in your life, whether you know, it's family or friends, or whether it's you know, your job or money or possessions or whatever it is, we always feel this tension right here, don't we? We always feel this tension that we're gonna have to fight through that the good things stay good and don't become idols. This is the reality we live in and one of the ways that helps me to kind of work through this and to fight against this is to funnel it through a perspective of God's truth in my life by asking questions. And so I wanna share some of those with you here today to maybe help you as well. The first question is this, do I find my worth in money and possessions? And you can change out money and possessions for maybe whatever is you have the tension of finding your worth in. Or do I find my worth in the God who has provided for me? Another question, do I find my significance and happiness in my loved ones? Again, you can exchange this out for whatever the tension is that you feel in this area. Or do I find my significance and happiness in the God who is my first love? Another question, do I find my identity in my job? Or do I find my identity in the God who tells me who I am? This is reality for us, isn't it? This is the tension that we live in. But just because it's reality and tension doesn't give us the green light to move towards making them idols. In fact, in Psalm chapter 16, it says this. It says, troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. This is a warning verse for us. This should be like a caution light going off in our lives to say, hey, you may wanna slow down or maybe even stop if you're starting to chase after other gods because if you do and if you continue on in that direction, troubles are coming your way. And when troubles come into your life, your life will begin to fall apart. And we've all seen it happen, whether it's in our life or someone else's life. And it happens because we start to disconnect from God. And we weren't created to disconnect from God. We were created to be with God because God wants to be with us even on the mountain. Another thing that happens when we forget about God on the mountain is we can become prideful. We can become prideful. You know, I think it's safe to say that no one really enjoys being around someone that's just full of pride and it's oozing out of them every day. Because they say things like, hey, look at me, and aren't you proud of me, and look what I did, and you know, all things of that nature. But for the rest of us that it's not really just oozing out of every day, it's still in us. Pride is in you and pride is in me. And we may not know that we're displaying it until we look in a mirror or maybe someone else holds a mirror up to us. And so I want to kind of take a look at what pride can look like. And one of the first things is pride keeps you from initiating an apology even when you know you're wrong. And I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to go first because I don't know about you, but this is an area that I struggle with in my own life. And I usually struggle with it the most in relationship with my wife. 
you know, we have different conversations at different times and uh, I began to realize at some point in the conversation that my wife is right and it's not just because she's my wife, it's because she's right a lot and, you know, I'll respond in a way that is very prideful or I'll say something uh, that is very prideful and I know that I need to initiate an apology to her, but pride just holds me back from doing that. And it's an area that I need to continue to lean into God and ask him for help for. And then I go and apologize to my wife. But pride can also keep you from admitting weakness. Pride keeps you from admitting you need help and being honest with yourself and others. Pride can also cause you to feel good when others fail, close down when you should open up, lie about yourself, and pride causes you to have the final word. This is what pride can look like. And if we're honest, it's really not that fun for anyone, is it? I mean, and it's actually kind of ugly. In fact, the psalmist in Psalm chapter 10 says this about pride. It says, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him or God. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. This, this last part of this verse right here in the Hebrew actually means there is no God. And the reason for that, if you think about it in this way, is that if, if I'm the center of my universe, then there's no need for God in my universe because I play that part or I play that role. That's crazy, isn't it? If we think about it, it's crazy. Pride makes us do crazy things. It makes us even think that we can take credit for the things that God did in our lives. Listen to what Moses had to say to the Israelites about that because that was creeping up on them. He says, do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued, who rescues you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Can you believe that Moses has to remind the Israelites that God rescued them from slavery from Egypt? They were there for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years, like this is how powerful pride can be in our lives. And Moses continues on in verse 17 and he says this, he says, he or God did all of this so that you would never say to yourself, so the thought would never come into your mind. I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. This statement is an entitlement statement. And it's crazy, isn't it? Like pride, when we become prideful, it puts us in this path or this lane that we, we set ourselves up to think about only what can satisfy us, only what's best for us. And we start to push everyone and everything else out of the way. Andy Stanley, who's pastor at North Point Church in Atlanta, he said it this way. He said, when you are full of you, there's no room for anyone else including God. I mean, how can we be close to God if we push him away? And if we push God away, how can we remember all of the good things that God has in store for our life? And you may be here today and you may be thinking, man, so-and-so needs to be here so they can hear that. You even have their name in your head right now. You're like, man, I really wish they were here to hear this. Or maybe this is for you.
And maybe you need to hear this today. Whoever this is for, here's the reality. We can't continue on in this direction moving towards ourselves. We have to move in a different direction. And so what does that look like? Like how do we live in such a way that we do not forget about God on the mountain? Well, one of the ways that we do that is by acknowledging that all good comes from God. All good comes from God. And this is an ongoing shift in our lives. It's not just a one-time deal. It's an ongoing shift from life being about ourselves and heading in that direction to shifting in the direction towards God. In James chapter one, verse 17, it says this. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. This verse should excite us because God doesn't just give us one good gift. God doesn't just give us two good gifts. All good things come from God. And when we begin to acknowledge God as the giver of all good things in our life, it sends us in the direction of God and it creates this posture in our life, in our hearts and in our minds that we start to depend on God because that's where the good things come from in our life. It also starts to break down this entitlement mentality that we talked about earlier. Because entitlement says things like, I deserve this or I earned this. And when we shift from that and we start to recognize that all good things come from God, then we start to say things like, God, you have given me someone to love and someone to love me. God, you've provided this job for me that is able to provide for my family. God, you've allowed me to live in this house and to drive this car. That's the difference that it starts to make in our lives. You know, as I think back on the four-wheeler, I realized it was a gift from my parents. It wasn't anything that I did to deserve it. You know, they just, they just knew that I would enjoy it and they wanted to bless me. So the four-wheeler was not there actually to take the place of God, it was to point to God. And to show that God allowed me to have a four-wheeler so that I could experience good things in life. Because here's the reality. God doesn't want us to miss out on the good things in life. He doesn't. He wants us to understand this and to embrace this. And we do this by acknowledging that all good things come from God. And God wants to be with us in those good things. Another way that we draw close to God and don't forget about him on the mountain, is we live in a rhythm of gratitude. We live in a rhythm of gratitude. One of the rhythms that has been developed in my life ever since I was a kid was to pray before every meal. And I know it seems quite simple, but it's been very impactful because you see it's helped to shape me to thank God for the food that I am about to eat. You see, I've been to places where the next meal is not always a guarantee. And having food in the refrigerator or the cabinets is not always a reality. And so giving thanks to God creates this rhythm of gratitude in my life that thanks God for this food and it draws me closer to him. James 4.8 says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You know, I was thinking about like, how else could I illustrate this? And there are times in my life where, you know, where my wife, Amy, uh, she'll clean our house, you know, whether it's like mopping the floors or vacuuming the floors or, you know, dusting the furniture or, you know, like whatever else needs to be cleaned on that day. And at some point she's looking to me to express gratitude to her for the good things that she's doing for our family. 
And when I don't do it, she says things like, did you notice anything today? (laughs) Or doesn't the house look nice? Kind of hint, hint, wink, wink, maybe you've been there. To which I know that I need to respond by saying thank you, even though it's not going to mean as much to her at that point. But when I have a rhythm of gratitude in place and I automatically do that and I say things like, hey, babe, the house looks great and thank you so much for all the work that you've put into it. Do you know what happens then? Like she smiles and she gets excited that I thanked her and her heart starts to beat more for wanting to be with me. And it draws us closer together. And the same thing is true when you develop a rhythm of gratitude with God and you give him thanks for the good things that he has done and he's doing in your life, it'll draw you closer to him. And we do this here at Emmanuel. That's why we celebrate something every single week around here. In fact, you may remember a few weeks ago, we celebrated that there were over a thousand people at our Emmanuel Franklin Campus Grand Opening. Can we give God a hand for that? That was amazing. I was there. It was awesome. Yeah, we thank God for that because it reminds us of his goodness and it draws us closer to him. We've also been celebrating that our generosity has been up 26% from this time last year. Can we give God a hand for that? Absolutely. We thank God because it reminds us of his goodness and it draws us closer to him. And not only that, but your generosity helps us to make an impact in the lives of other people. So much so that we're able to create environments here at Emmanuel for people to come to Christ and to grow in Christ. And so we can celebrate that so far this year, there have been 515 people that have come to Christ at Emmanuel. Can we give God a hand for that? Yeah. We thank God because it reminds us of his goodness and it draws us closer to him. This is the power of living in a rhythm of gratitude. And you know, as I was thinking back, like how has this played out in my life? I think back actually to the four-wheeler. The four-wheeler was not only a mountaintop experience in my life, it was also a valley experience as well. You see, there was one day in August before my freshman year in high school that my mom had asked me to go over to my grandparents' house and to get some things and to bring it back. And so they lived about four miles away and it was all country roads. And so I took the four-wheeler over there to get it. And on my way back home, I ran off the road and I hit and I went through a barbed wire fence. And the neighbors happened to see it take place and so that's actually part of what helped to save my life. And so they called my family and my mom and dad came to get me and they rushed me to the hospital because I was bleeding pretty bad. And long story short, it's actually quite the miracle that I lived through that because in addition to all the cuts and scrapes and scars that came out of the barbed wire fence on my body that day, one of my worst injuries was that my tongue got completely almost cut off. And you have an artery in your tongue. And so as you can imagine, there's a lot of blood that I lost through that. And what's ironic about that is I speak to people for a living today. But as you can imagine, I had to go through several weeks of recovery, which was part of the valley journey in my life at that time. And so as I was going through the valley and through the recovery time, I began to realize that God had saved my life physically. And at the time, I didn't know why. I just knew that my heart was still beating because of God. 
And you see, God had used such a good thing in my life, and he was now trying to use it to get my attention to draw me closer to him. And so I had some decisions that I had to make, some choices in that time and moving forward. Do I move in the direction of God, remembering that he's the giver of all good things and giving thanks and gratitude to him, even though this good thing in my life is now causing me so much pain? Or do I move away from God, blaming him for this happening to me, making the four-wheeler an idol in my life, even though it's only temporary, and puffing up in my pride so that I get the last word saying, forget about you, God. I definitely could have headed in that direction. It was very tempting. And if I would have continued on making those decisions in my life, it would have ended up in a very different place, which probably would not have included me being up here talking to you today. But you see, I want to remember the goodness of God. I want to be with God. I want to experience all of the good things that God has in store for my life. And so I had to set up rhythms of gratitude in my life that drew me closer to him so that I could be with God. And I still have some of those rhythms of gratitude in place to this day that not only impacts my life, but impacts the lives of others as well. And one of those rhythms that's part of my life is part of my daily prayer. I say, thank you, God, for breathing life into me and waking me up today. Because you see, I realize that I have life, the very breath in my lungs, because God gifts it to me. And not only has that impacted my life, but now that I have kids, I've been able to start passing it on to them and helping them to understand it. And I'll be honest with you, as a dad, when I hear them pray it in their prayers, I realize, man, it's starting to take shape. And it's awesome. And those of you that hear me pray every week, especially at the Franklin campus, now you know why I say this as part of my prayer every single time. It's because it's a rhythm of gratitude that I've developed to draw me closer to God. Another rhythm that came out of that time in my life was I told God I would do whatever it is that he would want me to do because he saved my life and I just wanted others to know about it. And so I've had the privilege of coming alongside and talking to so many people about all the good things that God has done in my life. And it's, it's not just because I'm a pastor because I was doing this before I was a pastor But it's because I want to let people know that if they would also choose to follow God with their life, then they would begin to experience all of the good things that God has in store for them as well. And so I'll be honest with you, I have no idea how many people I've been able to share it with. But I do know that I've been able to hear some of their stories and see their lives transformed, all because I gave my life to a rhythm of gratitude that acknowledges that all good comes from God and you can too. This is not reserved just for pastors or for people on staff at a church. The invitation is for all followers of Jesus to step into a rhythm of gratitude so that you acknowledge God as the giver of all good things, and it draws you closer to Him. And not only that, but people on the outside looking in may even have an impact on their lives as well. And so as we close out our time here together, I have two questions that I wanna ask you for you to think about as God is nudging you to take your next step. And the first question is this, where are you forgetting about God? 
Where are you forgetting about God? Like what are those good things in your life right now that may be becoming idols or maybe even allowing pride to make its way into your life? And if you continue on in that direction, what's your life gonna look like next week? Or maybe next month, or maybe even this time next year? Because don't forget, praise, but be careful. Praise, but be careful. Praise, but be careful. Second question I wanna ask you today is this. What rhythms of gratitude do you need to put in place in your life right now? Like what is it that's gonna help you remember that all good things come from God and you need to lock that in and then you need to put that into practice day after day after day after day so that not only it reminds you of God and draws you closer to Him, but those people that are looking in that you have close proximity to in your life may take another step closer to God because they see His goodness in your life as well. What rhythms? of gratitude you need to put in place because God wants to be with you in the good times and on the mountain as well. Some of you may be here today and you're that person that's on the outside looking in and you haven't taken that first step into a relationship with God. And so the very first thing that God wants you to know is that he loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die on a cross and to be raised three days later so that you could be forgiven of your sin and you could have a personal ongoing relationship with the creator of the universe. And in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, it says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's the invitation here for you today. And you want to know what's awesome is not only do you get to go to heaven when you die, but you get to experience all of the good things that God has in store for you right now here on earth. And you don't want to miss out on that. And so I'm going to ask if you would all bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And if that is you this morning, this is your moment. Don't miss your moment. And you can say a prayer, you can take the words that I'm about to say and you can make them your own and it can sound something like this. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to this earth to die on a cross, to be raised from the dead three days later so that my sin can be forgiven. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for loving me right where I'm at. And God, I place my trust and my faith and my confidence in you right now. And I can't wait to see and experience all of the good things that you have in store for my life. And it's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.
Amen. You know what? It says that all of heaven celebrates when someone comes to Christ. So church, can we celebrate with them on that today? Amen. Amen. Not only do we want to celebrate that with you, but we would love to put a New Believers Bible in your hand. It's a copy of the New Testament. And so whatever campus you're at, there are starting point tables in the back that if you would just let them know that you prayed that prayer, we would love to put one of these in your hand. And if you're watching online, if you would please check the box to let us know that you prayed that prayer, we would love to mail one of these to you as well. Church, can we just give God a hand for what he's continuing to do here at Emmanuel? Amen. Amen. We're gonna pass it off to our local campus teams at this point so they can close out in an announcement. God bless. All right, let's give Brent a hand one more time. It was an amazing message, Brent. So fortunate to have him from Franklin today. It's awesome. Hey, Brent actually shared a, a verse I wanted to kind of repeat back to you guys. It's James 4, 8, it's the bottom of your handout. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. How many of you would like to draw a little bit more closer to God in 2019? I think pretty agreeable. How many of you would like to walk a little bit more like Jesus this time next year? I think we can all agree that would be something that we would like to do. One way I would like to encourage you to, to try something a little different or to challenge you a little bit is to join one of our small groups here at Emmanuel. And I will tell you why. We are not designed to grow in Christ in isolation. Truly, we do believe here at Emmanuel that life is better connected. That's why we're so passionate about small groups here. And for us, small groups are just groups of about 10 to 12 people. We meet once a week for 10 weeks. And the entire purpose of it is to grow closer to Christ, grow closer in community and to serve our community. That's it, we try to keep it pretty simple. We got a ton of different varieties of groups you can do, singles, couples, students, groups, financial peace, mom's time out, we've got starting point. I truly do believe that there is a group out there for everyone and starting with my own personal journey, I joined a group, I was strongly encouraged to get into a group when I started here and now I went from like a singles group to a married couples group and I can honestly tell you the stories that you hear, the relationships that you build, I have met people that are now some of my best friends and I honestly think you guys can have that same experience. It truly is a life-changing thing to be a part of a solid group. So the challenge is for you to try it. Uh, this is actually the last weekend for you to sign up for the upcoming group semester. If you want to see what kind of groups we have, you can go to our website, eclife.org, click the group finder. If you need help or if you have questions, flag down one of our staff members. We would love to talk to you about joining a group. So thank you very much. I'll pray for us and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for your wisdom today through Brent's message. We are so thankful for you. We are humbled that we get to come in here. We get to listen to this information. We get to learn so much about you. And thank you for putting it on Brent's heart to share with us that no matter if we're in the valley or if we're on the mountaintop, things are good, things are bad. You are right there with us. And Father, we ask you to help us to never forget you, to always show you gratitude, to always show you love the way that you love us. It's in your name we humbly pray. Amen. God bless. See you next week. Have a very happy new year.